0: Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness podcast. Today we're going to discuss visual content strategy. My guest, Kevin Lee, is the VP of marketing at Buffer, a powerful social media management tool used by 3 million agencies, brand, publishers, and individuals. He also serves as an advisor at Leap Studios. Listen as he shares some insights about visual content marketing, social media marketing, and more. So, Kevin Lee, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We're really, really excited about having you. So, why don't you tell the audience a little bit, like, where did you grow up? Like, give us a little background on where did Kevin start off here?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I grew up in Nampa, Idaho, which is a very small town in a very unpopulous state. And yeah, I spent my whole life growing up there. Didn't leave until college, and I went to college in Seattle and met my wife there, got a degree in journalism. And we stayed there for a year or so and then moved back to Idaho and been there ever since. So I haven't really gone too far from where I grew up.
0: You were in Idaho and then you went out to Seattle and grabbed a degree and a wife and then brought her back to the hometown.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. 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 So like growing up, how big was your family in Idaho?
1: Yeah. So a mom and dad and then a younger brother. So the four of us.
0: That was it. Uh, okay. For some reason, I thought it would have been like a bigger family. Not that two's not good. I had two in my family too, not here to judge, but just that's okay.
1: It was great. We were on the smaller side for Idaho. There's lots of big families out here. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: That's what I'm used to because I yeah. live in Idaho and it's usually four or five, six. It's like, how many can we produce? Like that's kind of another thing, which is not a bad thing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And then my wife and I, we have the one kid and we feel like outsiders that you know our, our family is so small we have one car and we feel like we're not doing it right in Idaho or something
0: that is too funny so okay gotcha so you had a little bit of a I mean normal size family right I think the U.S. is like 2.6 which I've always been in question about the point six. like who <laughs> we have to figure that out numbers wise but cool so then your family and then you on you're currently in Idaho you were in Seattle then you moved so tell us a, like an interesting fact like about you and when you were growing up I mean, is there anything like you're like people would never believe this but this happened to me or this was my family or we were the only people with two kids everybody old Ted 10 or whatever like what's, what's some good fun facts
1: yeah that's a great question so I mean as people who know me I'm pretty mild-mannered pretty you know on the quieter side introverted side I was kind of a wild person on the football field so football was my game and really I put on a different face when the ball was snapped okay. so I, I played center and linebacker so I played both ways and had a blast. It was it was fun, maybe cathartic. I'm not sure why I switched gears <laughs> when I was on the field, but it was a lot of fun, good memories.
0: So you were you were calm, Kevin, off the field, but once you hit that field and somebody said hike, it was you'd lose your marbles sometimes.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if that's what The Water Boy is like. I can't remember that movie, but something yeah. <laughs> maybe similar to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he like loses it, right? And then he just keeps going. They're like, no, no, stop, stop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So football, do you are you still a big football fan?
1: Yeah. I love the strategy of it. Uh, I don't know that I love all the pageantry that surrounds it these days and the yeah. controversies and stuff but as a game as a sport it's it's really fun awesome awesome so who's your team oh i don't know if i should admit this i'm a patriots fan
0: what and now, hold on is that new or is that come on now is that i mean yeah the, the
1: caveat is i it goes way back so i was a i was a fan around the drew Bledsoe years which were not the rosiest years uh, yeah then. but yeah i got lucky that they started winning
0: well, it's funny so i'm a 49ers fan and i always have been but so in the 80s, it was glorious, right? 90s, yeah. were like, ah, oh, this is great. And now it's the last 10 or 15 years. I'm like, I have to stick with them. But I obviously haven't been as vocal about how big of a Niners fan I have. <laughs> you know, we did terrible, and then we did some great. And then all of a sudden, we're like, well, this head coach, we're doing too good, so let's get rid of him. That makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, so it's <laughs> like, man, like there's been our offseason a few years ago. It was just so crazy. We lost like all of our A1 players, and some people got sick, and the other guys like I just don't want to play football anymore. And it was like what can happen next but i probably shouldn't have said that out loud because there are more things that can't
1: get worse than this but it always can't can it? yeah
0: i was worried that not worried i mean we we would still be you know you and i would still be friends but if you're in the seattle area so not a huge fan of seahawks would be a seahawks we would still continue the interview and stuff and I wouldn't use that again <laughs> ever. But I just that's good. So at least I could take the Patriots, you know. It, totally. You know, I you don't want to like Tom Brady just because he's just so good looking and he's got like the you know beautiful wife and probably everything's all perfect in his life. It's just like oh, but anyways, shout out to Tom Brady <laughs> if he listens it. To Basically like, I'm a big fan here in Kevin. So there you go. That's cool. So you're currently in Idaho and then you're you went to so you said you went to what college did you go to in Seattle?
1: I went to Seattle Pacific. It's in the Queen Anne area of the city.
0: Wasn't there? And this is a this is a totally. Wasn't there like a shooting there? I, I and mean, this has nothing to do with. I I remember hearing that. And it was. I was there,
1: huh? Yeah, it was a few years after I graduated. But yeah, that was that was where it occurred.
0: Isn't it crazy that whole thing? Like not not that it's your college, but just any college. The fact that people do anything like that to me, it's just you know, it's like random. Like why do that? Anyways, that's a whole yeah. nother. Not, it has nothing to do with the podcast we're talking <laughs> about today. But when you said that, I was like, oh wait a second, I'm pretty sure that's unfortunately it's pretty common. It just God, it just sucks. That sucks that that kind of stuff happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So what did you study in college? What, oh, you said
1: journalism. Journalism. Yeah. So that was my other fun fact is I'm super into newspapers and media. I started my own high school newspaper, which was me working in Microsoft Publisher and then going to the copy room in school and printing off hundreds of copies and dispersing them. And
0: So you like literally did it like this was your newspaper thing that you and it was for the school or was it just kind of like Kevin's daily?
1: Yeah, it was. It was for the school. So once a week. Uh, nothing existed beforehand. So I did it from scratch. You know, when you get to be a junior senior in high school, sometimes you're have some free time on your hands, some yeah. open periods, So I filled my time doing that. It was fun.
0: That's awesome. And so how did you transition into digital marketing? For me, there was a huge connect there, right? Of like the journalism, how to get people to react to stuff and like writing that some people might not get that connection, but I absolutely do. For you, how was that transition? Like what did you start off doing? And then how did that transition to like digital marketing?
1: Yeah, totally. So after, well, while I was getting my degree, I did a lot of internships at newspapers. I wrote for the Seattle Post-Intelligencer and some other ones in the Northwest. And when I was in school, it happened to be around that time that the newspaper industry was kind of shriveling up or changing, or it just wasn't the same thing I thought I was getting myself into. And so I didn't take any newspaper jobs out of college. I kind of realized, oh, this degree was nice. I don't know that I like, A, the lifestyle of staying up till midnight on deadline every night. And then be you know, there weren't, there weren't the same opportunities as I was thinking when I started. So I took a, a number of random jobs. And on the side, I was doing a lot of content marketing through the guise of a very silly sports blog. Maybe I was doing a silly sports blog and happened to learn content marketing through the course of that and just loved it. Um, I ended up getting a regular marketing job and continued doing my blog on the side and kind of worked in some more official content stuff into the marketing job. And that led me to this type of blogging, writing thing turn into a career. And that's when I found Buffer and noticed that, yeah, you can do this as a career. You can also do it remotely, which was just like the dream for me. So led me down that path. But I think journalism was a key thing. It helped teach me you know, how to work on a deadline, how to deliver when you say you're going to deliver, you know, tell a story through writing, how to craft a blog post or an article, how to you know, tell a story from start to finish in a compelling way. And I think that translates really well to blogging and content too.
0: So you guys, now, does Buffer have a whole remote team?
1: We do, yeah. We're fully distributed around the world. No headquarters.
0: Well, that's interesting. I don't know if I knew that. I mean, not that I needed to know that, but I mean, <laughs> still, the same thing with my team. My team is full remote. Like, we're all over the world. Same deal. Like, I, I mean, I have an office here in Sacramento. I'm in Sacramento, California. Mm-hmm. And I have an office here, but it's not, I mean, I don't have any clients that come here and my employees would have no idea how to find me other than the address <laughs> on my website. They've never been. Yeah. So that's interesting. So how big is Buffer? How big is the company?
1: We're 80, 85 people at the moment. Okay
0: we have run about 34 and we're no buffer, right? I mean, we're not, but it's That's a nice cool. little little business we got going on. Yeah. So how did you run into buffer? Like how did that, first of all, working remotely is awesome, right? That's like, hello. I mean, that way you can get your stuff done, still be good with timelines because of your journalism background. Yeah. What I'm like, how did that all happen? Like, how did you, like, what were you doing? And then all of a sudden buffer came along you're like, wait, this is a good opportunity. And then obviously you're the VP of marketing, right? I mean,
1: I am. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky. Luckily <laughs> it's been quite the journey. So I was doing just a regular marketing job, you know, had a, like office space, cubicle work. And that was in Idaho here. And that job taught me a lot of different things. I was able to do very much a very broad digital marketing type role. And in the course of that, I also had my blog on the side. So I was learning content marketing there. And I just kind of got tired of that type of job. I didn't see a lot of upward mobility for myself. So I started looking around. And one of the tools that we used through If This Then That, we were connecting you know, social media to a bunch of different stuff. And I noticed that Buffer was one of the things there. So that was cool. Buffer does social media planning, things like that. So I gave it a try. And then started learning tons about the company and this amazing culture that they had built up. Some, You know, a company formed on values and remote work and all these different things that really resonated with me. And lo and behold, they had an opening for a content writer. And I was like, oh, that is amazing and wonderful. Like that is... What I want to do and who I want to be. But the door, yeah. There was the door. So I, I stepped right through the door, and the door closed on me. I didn't, I didn't get it when I applied. I was thinking, oh, this is going to be great, but you know, I didn't have any really references, no work outside of my silly sports blog and stuff. So yeah. it didn't work out that time. But I got a very nice rejection letter from Buffer, and it was very hopeful and encouraging, and just said, you know, stay in touch. And come to find out, that's kind of what they tell everyone when you get rejected. <laughs> but I took it to heart. I thought it was. But it was very personal. Yeah, yeah. So I did stay in touch and I I kept in touch over email with the co-founders and ended up connecting with some other folks in tech and wrote some different guest posts and things. And then about a year later, the job came open again. Buffer was hiring again. And I had written for the Buffer blog in that time in between, some other tech blogs in Buffer space. Mm. And fortunately, the door stayed open that time. And so I was able to get in and get hired there. And yeah, for the first couple of years, I was a content writer. As the team grew and changed, I was the second or third marketing hire. And so I had the chance to just progress as the team grew and yeah, I ended up in the VP role today.
0: That's awesome. How many years ago was that?
1: That was five years ago.
0: Wow, five years ago. That's awesome. And how long Buffer's been around for what, seven years, eight years?
1: Yeah, seven or eight. I think closer to eight now.
0: Awesome. Okay, cool. So you were there in the beginning. I mean, it was the beginning years when they were kind of grinding this thing out, trying to figure this thing out. And all of a sudden you've moved up like Georgia Wheezy. Now you're in the VP of marketing role.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we figure some things out the last five years.
0: Yeah, right. No, I know you guys definitely have. You guys are definitely on a lot of people's radar. I mean, I know I use Buffer. So, I mean, awesome. if not, I wouldn't be able to put content out. Trust me. It <laughs> would be a slow cool. process. I have a, such a small brain. And if I can outsource anything to have somebody else go schedule stuff for me, I'm, I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, the right tools help, don't they?
0: It is. It is. I mean, you know, that's the thing. is like, how do you leverage them, right? Like, if these tools, and you know, it's always been incredible for me. And if I remember, Buffer's like, what is like 10 bucks a month? Yeah. Like to me, that's like, when you look at it like a SaaS, like a, any kind of a software, like ten, every time I pay, I'm like, even if I didn't use that, that's worth it. Like $10 a month is like just so nominal and Buffer's not paying me to say this. Like I just, this is like my opinion of like, I was like, I can't believe it's only $10. Like it just seems so cheap for what you guys offer.
1: Yeah. We think the value is really good. We have a really big like, bottoms up freemium approach. So we have millions of users and that funnels up into you know, 75, 80,000 businesses that use it. So it's one of those B to C to B models that we have done in the past where business to consumer to business. And so, you know, folks like you and folks like me, you know, we'll love buffer. We'll get the taste of it. And when we go to a company, we'll take buffer with us and spreads that way. So it's been working out great.
0: That's awesome. That, yeah, that's kind of cool to hear that. So let's talk about, so we're talk about visual content, right? Obviously the scheduling of Buffer, you can schedule visual content. Like what do you think like are the most important factors when it comes to, that like, you should consider when you talk about visual content for your audience, because obviously you have the background with some content marketing and like, what do you think are the three like important factors?
1: Yeah, there's a few that come to mind. So, I mean, the first one is always whenever possible, include visuals in the posts that you send on social media, include visuals in your content marketing, your blog posts. Whenever there's a chance to put a visual in that's going to tell a more powerful message, it's going to resonate stronger with your audience. We've done some studies on this. It shows that posts with photos get more engagement, more likes, more clicks, more comments, things like that. So definitely default to visuals. And then in terms of three tips for when you're choosing and using visuals, number one is to have a consistency to them. So there's a couple of different tools that we use for that. One of them is Canva. You can have some pre-made templates in there. You can have different colors and fonts. There's a tool called Figma that our design team uses. And that helps us, you know, as we've scaled, it helps us stay on brand really well too. You can do, I guess it's similar to Photoshop or Sketch, but it's all in the cloud. Since we're remote, we can share these files back and forth across continents with each other. And just kind of get a gut check for, is this visual on brand? Does this visual look consistent? So consistency is a key one. Another one is to be on brand with who you are as a company. So not only are you using the same fonts and colors and things, but you're using the same similar style across everything. So if your style is you know, very meme driven and your memes are similar and consistent across, you know, Instagram and Twitter. If your style is very professional and polished photography, then you have that across everywhere. You're not doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but you're choosing all the same types and styles of content types of visual content. And then the third would be to, you know, take the single piece of content, single visual and to repurpose it. So you might start with something on a blog post and, oh, you can, you know, either take that piece if you've created it yourself and do it in three or four different sizes. So it's, you know, tall and skinny for Pinterest, it's square for Instagram, it's you know, horizontal for Twitter, take that piece and repurpose it. You may start with an infographic where well, you can cut that into four or five different pieces of visual content that then you can put out on social media. So think of everything as something that you can extend the life of as long as possible and send it in multiple places
0: yeah the repurposing of content's important a lot of people i think kind of miss out on that that it's like hey just you, know, you write a blog post there's so many different things you can do with that right i mean you Absolutely. can make it into a pdf you can make it into an infographic you can slice and dice it do you guys work do you guys get a lot of traffic from pinterest i just recently been listening to some blogs and they're like oh pinterest is and I, I haven't really optimized for pinterest or done anything and we just haven't i just was curious I and mean, you guys do anything with pinterest or it's not really a big play for you guys
1: yeah, we keep up with it because we want to stay you know, up to date with things. But it's not a big source of referral traffic for us, for source of signups. I think it has a really strong potential and power for particular companies and brands, but not so much for us at the moment.
0: Yeah, and it's the same thing with me. I, the, a lot of the podcasts I listen to are like, kind of some of them are affiliate driven and stuff like that. They're like, yeah, we get a good amount of traffic. And I just wonder, if I mean, for me, obviously, it's all digital marketing and content marketing, and SEO, that kind of stuff, influencer marketing. I just don't know if Pinterest, I'm just interested. I would like to hear a company that's saying, yeah, we're crushing it on Pinterest. We're getting a million people and this is how we're optimizing for it and this is how we're converting people. But I just didn't know if Buffer was that the company that you guys have an eyeball on it, but it's not a number one focus for you.
1: Right, exactly.
0: Okay, so we talk about Buffer and the type of content that you guys do enjoy putting out. What is your favorite visual content? I mean, is it Buffer like really big on infographics or you guys do? I mean, obviously, there's a, you guys have to produce that content for each channel, right? For Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. What's the content you're like, wow, we've done really well with this type of content. We, we love to produce it because we get great results.
1: Yeah, I would say our data studies are probably the biggest one for us. And then how that works with visuals is you have some really pretty charts and graphs to share afterward. And we found that those tell the data alone can tell a really compelling story, like in a pie chart or in a bar graph. And it's something that is universal, easy to understand. So what we've ended up doing is coming up with a lot of our own data work with that. We might partner with the company to get some data and then send it out together. We might look into the buffer data ourselves and just pull out some different tidbits there. And yeah, and then when it comes to visuals, make it into a, a pretty graph or chart and send it out there. And do you guys produce that kind of content to obviously
0: A, educate the public about what you got going on? But you guys also do it because obviously there's a good backlink play to that as well, right? Because then people go and you have this great study that was done, 5,000 bloggers that you interviewed about why blah, blah, why it's so much easier to do this or whatever that is. And then people go to want to backlink to it. Because I know with my company, like when we go and we write articles, obviously we're always looking for those studies. And that's something we have come up with tons of original content, like our own specific studies. But we've talked about that because once again, there's like a great backlink play of people going, hey, there's Shane Barker that had this on his website and this is the data that he's seen over this because... Because he interviewed these people. And do you guys do that? Is that a backlink play for you? Or is that just like, hey, we just want to produce great, you know, want to be a thought leader in the space?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. I think it starts with the thing you just mentioned. We want to be a thought leader. We want to produce this because it's going to be helpful. And then, yeah, secondary goals off of that, 100%, it's tons of backlinks. It's tons of press mentions, notoriety. We'll even look at something. So we do annual state of reports. We do a state of remote work and a state of social media. And when we think about the launches for those, we'll launch them, but we don't really gauge the success of it for several months out because those things pick up traction all year round really like we're always getting those linked links back and press mentions and things so we've really baked that into our process we've even gone so far as to think about you know can we embargo some of this data can we go to the press outlets and say we're about to release this do you want an exclusive on this or that turning it into a news a news source almost and then yeah you see those results throughout the year it's kind of evergreen content that continues to get linked back and referenced
0: so you guys actually have a study chain that's come out like on the like, remote work and like, where is that? Why did I not know this? Why am I not in the know right now? This bothers <laughs> oh, me. I don't know.
1: It's all good. We'll get you all looped into it next year. Yeah, sure.
0: yeah, yeah, Cause I would love to. Cause so how do you guys keep the team together? Like what do you guys use software wise? Like, I mean, for us, I know we use obviously you know, Google Drive and we use Slack for, you know, communication. What are the tools you couldn't live without being a remote company?
1: Yeah, we have a few ones. So you and I are on Zoom right now. That's the biggest one for us with video. Yeah. Synchronous calls. So we use that for that. We use Slack for you know our DMs, chatter for we have rooms for every different area of buffer. A new tool that we've added recently is called Threads, and it is an asynchronous tool similar to a maybe a discourse, like a forum type software. It's a replacement for internal email for us. We send a lot of emails. We have transparent emails on buffer too. That's one of our values is transparency. And it got to be a lot as we scaled. So threads has taken us. T- it's been a place to put all that asynchronous communication in a place that is searchable and indexable and archivable and doesn't overwhelm you, isn't like drinking from a fire hose. So that's yeah. been key for us. And yeah, you mentioned Drive. So we went with, we're more of a Dropbox company. So we use Dropbox paper for our notes and then Dropbox files for you know, file and storage.
0: That's interesting because I know that Dropbox, obviously, because they were trying to pitch us on it as well, right? I mean, obviously they want to be able to take some business from Google or from you know Microsoft and so, you guys use that. Have you guys felt it's, it's been good for you? I mean, how long have you guys been using it for?
1: Yeah, for a very long time. We used Hackpad initially, which was a very old and kind a of notes app. And yeah. then Hackpad got acquired by Dropbox, which kind of became Dropbox Paper. So, we just kind of stayed with the flow there.
0: Natural transition for you guys. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, I've debated whether to try it. I mean, we've, we've had good successes with Google Drive just because we have. I mean, you know, my problem is I've got 5 million Google Drive documents together. So. <laughs> The organization of the titling and having a process there has, has always been a challenge, but we'll we're, we're work yeah. on that internally. But is there any other software that, that you guys use to create visual content? Is Canva your, the main, that you guys, main software that you use?
1: Yeah, Canva's the main one. Canva's the one that we'll use in a pinch. So we need something quick. Let's mm. throw it together in Canva. Figma is our buffer-wide design tool. We used to be on Sketch. A lot of us still have a fondness for Sketch. So those are more of our robust, high-powered ones when we want to do something super fancy. I will say a couple of neat social media ones that we've loved recently is Animoto. They do great video Mm. videos for social. So super easy video editing. We've also been checking out Biteable and Wave and they've been really cool for creating that visual content, but also they have some really neat, I guess, brand management systems built in there too. So you can, I think one of them, you can put in like your brand colors and your brand fonts and automatically pull those into different video templates that you're making for for social.
0: It's interesting. So Biteable, we did an expert roundup post with them for some Facebook ad stuff that we were doing for video that they interviewed me and we'd done some stuff together. So, and I haven't actually, this is terrible, but I actually haven't used the platform. My teams were on the visual side of things. We're not bad, but I, we don't do tons of video, which is unfortunate because we really should be. You know, it's one of those, like, I think I tell all my clients, you got to get into video. And they're like, well, how much video are you doing? I'm like, don't you talk that me <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm, you're under the microscope right now. Not okay. But yeah, video is something that we, I think we definitely needed to to do more stuff. And we've done some video stuff, but nothing too crazy. So
1: yeah, it's made a big difference for us. I mean, you take something like After Effects, which is who even knows where to start with something like that. Like you think I should do video and it's like, oh, I have to learn After Effects. And that was a blocker for us for a really long time. And so these tools like Animoto and Biteable, like they've really made that easier because we're just like you, we know we should be doing video content but there's always that hurdle to get over. And these tools are, I think they've sensed that.
0: Yeah, because it's, a, now it's easy of use, right? Now it's, you can go create a piece of content and take you an hour instead of going and finding something that's been 10 years and learning After Effects, because it just sets up, you know, unless you're doing a crazy, crazy video. But there's stuff you can do to get the point across, on blog posts. Yeah, we've got, a, that is a, a place that we want to improve upon. I'll have to look at Biteable then things. They've already reached out. We've already have a good relationship. Back. I think I even have an account. So, oh, nice. Biteable's yeah, list, they're great. I love you guys. We're gonna, we don't <laughs> we'll, re- we'll reconnect here. We'll, continue the relationship. And then, so what do you guys look at like any kind of metrics or anything? Like when you guys have your visual content, like what do you guys look at? Is there like, it's like Google analytics and you guys go, Hey, looks like from these platforms, like Instagram, all the pictures we're putting up there is producing this. Like what are some of the metrics that you guys look at, at being buffer in regards to visual content?
1: Yeah. There's a couple different ones that kind of vary across the spectrum of hard measurable ROI and softer brandiness kind of thing. So on the softer side, we'll look at follower count as a measure of the quality of the visuals. So let's take Instagram, for instance, right at the moment, we kind of want to, I guess in the last few months, we've shifted our Instagram strategy in a different direction. And we're trying to tie a closer connection to buffer the product and what we post on Instagram. We're also trying to do like thematically some different color schemes and just kind of make it look like a really pro Instagram account. Then we're going to measure the success of that by followers. So you know, do people come to our Instagram profile, look at our grid and think, oh, this is someone I want to follow. So that's the assumption there, and that's the, the KPI for that one. Then on the other side of things, we will look at something like referral traffic clicks on social posts. And what we often end up doing is comparing this text-only post to this post with a video or this post with an yeah. image or you know, kind of compare different types of posts and see which ones get the most attention. And then typically, what we'll try to do is end up with a certain ratio on social media. So we'll do four of one type of post for every one of a different type of post. So if we decide that photos are the big thing, then we'll do four photos for every one, you name it different type of post, a retweet or a text only tweet or something like that. So that kind of does inform the the bulk of our strategy is what types of content are doing the best. And we'll measure that based on clicks back to the website.
0: Gotcha. And then have you guys seen them? I've seen this. And I just wonder if you guys have with Instagram and, and Facebook, any kind of video stuff seems to outperform not 10 times, but a lot better than a picture, obviously a lot better than just a text-based thing that doesn't have a picture. Have you guys seen that in the visual side of things from video?
1: Yeah, we've seen a couple of different things. So the first is that a variety of media on your Instagram profile is key. So it's not so much exactly like always post video because it's gonna do the best, but do a variety. The actual content itself is gonna speak the loudest. So for instance, we found that a picture of a dog is going to get a lot of likes on Instagram, no matter what. It doesn't have to be a video of a dog. It doesn't have to be a carousel of dogs. It just any dog really does the trick. But when we look at it, when we step back and look at our Instagram overall, we want to see, oh, cool. We've done you know, three photos. We did a carousel. There's a video here. There's a variety of different things. So that's, that's key for us there. And the other thing that we've noticed is a really big shift towards stories. And that's been interesting from the visual marketing side because stories is totally visual like instagram is totally visual but stories especially there's so many different visual components you can add there with stickers and the background images the actual you know the bulk of the the stories as well so with attention shifting there we've really focused on a how can we get to a high quality bar with stories b do we even need to get to a high quality bar with stories we've we've got some studies that say you know polished isn't necessarily best when it comes to instagram or with stories so we're kind of playing around with some things there it feels a bit like the wild west kind of unknown at the moment of what's best for stories, but it's a huge visual platform for us and lots of different things we could be trying.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, it's so funny. So my Instagram is pretty, I think weak. I mean, I always think, you know, you always like really, you know, like you look at your own stuff, you're like, oh, I gotta improve that <laughs> yeah. every week I'm saying that's my team on something. But you know, it's it's interesting. The Instagram stories has been interesting for me. I don't have a huge following there. I've got a good size following there, but it's been kind of fun to produce content. Because for me, Instagram I don't post as much because I I don't feel like anything that I really have to say is that epic mm-hmm. for that day. You know, it's like if I'm in like keynote speaking or something like that, great, then I'll do a great picture. But like, you know, day to day I don't feel like it's anything too riveting, right? Like, hey look, I'm eating a burrito. They're like, Oh my god, Shane's eating a burrito. Like nobody cares I'm eating a burrito, but stories has been interesting then people can kind of follow my day because i do have some interesting stuff that i do like when i get up and i go and runs and like yesterday not kidding you like i was walking and there was like when this is in sacramento we're a good size you know city and there's like a coyote that just ran right down the middle of the street like right in front of me <laughs> and i don't know if i'm on drugs right now or like what and this other guy looked at me and somebody goes was that a coyote and i go yeah i think that was a coyote and He goes, okay just making sure <laughs> like yeah me too it was just a random because we don't see coyotes in a city i mean it's like right down the middle of the thing was just running through the middle of the street kind of like god I feel like I made a right turn I should have made a left and it just kept going so wow that's the kind of stuff I got a pretty good video of it but it's just kind of that kind of stuff where you're like if I told somebody I saw a coyote running through the middle of the city they're like hey, dude what are you on like there's no way that's not even that's not true and I'm like no I got a video and so I'll put on my Instagram stories and people are like like what else you see like when I walk I just take pictures of random stuff that I see and it's, it has nothing to do with marketing as do with like my journey of like what I see I'm like is well believe the stuff that I see. And people are like, you don't see that. stuff. So I'm like, so I started taking pictures. So anyways, and there is no strategy behind that. Literally, it's just me like, oh, I'm just going to post some stuff about <laughs> my crazy day. You know, I'm getting up at 5 a.m. to walk. And it's like, you never know what you're going to see in the city. So
1: yeah, but it humanizes you. Like it tells behind the scenes, ankle, which is really key. Yeah,
0: it does, which is for me is important because I, I you know, I'd like to think that I have somewhat of a, a good sense of humor. Like I said, like, this is an example. So this is kind of how things get a little funny. So on my Instagram stories today, there was some pictures of, of condoms, not used. They were just a box. So I took mm-hmm. a picture of it and I put be safe, people, <laughs> Safe day on a Monday. So I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And, you know, people look at it and they're like, oh, okay, I'll oh, be safe. Oh, condom. <laughs> 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 He's so creative that creative guy but that's yeah. you know, for me it's kind of having fun with it like people are like where do you find this stuff like I, that's a, most of the messages are like i can't believe you like offline like pants like just like how who forgets their pants like how do you lose your pants <laughs> you know what, what did i forget oh my pants this morning I'm like that's i think i dropped them on the street so anyways that's <laughs> my instagram stories that's my no strategy just you know humanizing the fact that, that i'm out early in the morning running around with people and taking pictures yeah. of random pants on the
1: street so no it's all good i think brands maybe think of it from the same perspective, like, oh, I sell XYZ product. That's boring. What, how yeah. can I turn that into an Instagram story? And really, you can show like all the behind the scenes stuff. You can show your marketing team working on things yeah. you can show the warehouse. You can show all these different a- attributes of your company. And it's just a neat a neat way apart from the Instagram feed, which, you know, you might save for a certain type of visual aesthetic. Uh, yeah. Kind of go wild in stories, which is fun.
0: Yeah, that is that is what's kind of fun. It is kind of fun for me because it's, get, it's just random stuff, but I, I'm getting good engagement on it and I'm kind of having fun doing it and people are like. Like one girl finally said, you know, i just, you know, I'm stalking you every morning just to see like what you find on your walks. Like when you go out, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like. There's no restraining order, even you know, I'm I'm cool I love with it. it. I got no problem with it. Yeah. I
1: mean, so I've got Do you have a branded hashtag for the series?
0: I don't. Well, no, I it's it's like hashtag things I find, things I find when I walk or things I find oh, nice. when I walk or something like that. I mean totally. it's just there's probably like, you know, three pictures and it's just all <laughs> pictures of random stuff. But anyways I love it. on the visual side of things anyways. So how do you think, I mean, in your opinion, like where do you think that the landscape of you know visual content's gonna go? I mean obviously we're always we've been hearing the hey video's gonna there's gonna start being a lot more plays when it comes to the video side of things. Um, Like, where do you think the visual content and where do you think it's going to go here in the next, let's say, I don't know, let's say next few years?
1: Yeah, I think video is a, a good safe call. I think live video could be another... Mm. safe one there but for me this and this might be a stretch from visual marketing but what i see the trends moving toward is more interactive visuals so if you take a platform like instagram stories there's a lot of interactive elements that you can put on there interactive stickers with polls and surveys and you know, all sorts of different things so i think that's going to be a bit more of the move as we're seeing social media become less of this broadcast platform and more of a one-to-one or one-to-few conversations a bit more privatized I think what we're going to see is people wanting to interact with not only the person, but also the content that they're putting out there. And I think visual marketing is going to play a really key role in that. We're seeing it a little bit with the stickers and things in stories, but I think it'll go even further in the future. I think Instagram had the you know, pinch to zoom feature in the past where you could really interact with the photo even. And so I think we're going to start to see more and more of that come out.
0: Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I play with the stickers every once in a while. I'll do little polls here and there. And it is interesting because it is more engaging, right? Now you have, I mean, talk about how do you engage your audience better? And you ask them questions, right? You put some kind of call to action on there or something. So that's now it's obviously that's now they can have something that you're telling them or asking them something. And now they're engaging with your content on a higher level than they would be before they're just looking at something interesting. Yeah. So I think I'm with you on that. I think Instagram's going to be interesting in the next few years for sure. So what other cool, stuff so are you obviously are working at Buffer? I mean, do you have any like side hustles. And I don't know if you can even tell us this, if you do, but I mean, are you like, are you, do you have any like side projects? You the guy that's like, you know, buffer eight hours a day, or is it like, well, I've got this kind of little side thing. I'm writing a book or I'm doing something. Is there anything crazy fun that you can disclose since this is being recorded and your bosses will probably see it? I mean, is there anything you can tell us?
1: (laughs) Oh, totally. Yeah. Transparency is a key thing at Buffer. So I can tell you anything you Uh, want to know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in terms of side hustles, I have a family and child and things. So that takes up some good hustle time, which is time well spent for sure. On the tech and marketing side, I'm trying to build my own email list and maybe turn that into a thing. So if you want to subscribe, you can head over to kevinlee.com. There's yeah. the footer there. But yeah, that's been a really fun medium. I think you know, being at Buffer, we're into social media so often and we don't do a lot with email and that's always been a passion of mine. So I find that a lot of my side projects gravitate more towards towards that end of the spectrum these days, kind of building out my expertise there.
0: And when you talk about, like, building your subscriber list, is that going to be maybe because you want to do a course down the road or is that just because, you you know, to share your content? Like, what is, what's your goal with that? Like, is that, so, I mean, I know a lot of people because I work with a lot of influencers and people that have courses. I mean, for them, it's like, well, it's like printing money because if I got 10,000 heavily engaged people when want to have a new course come out, everybody, you know, I can have, 2% of the people open it or whatever it is, the numbers yeah. are, and I can make five grand, 10 grand from that. Is that, do you have a bigger goal in mind? Or is it like, you're just going to collect emails and then one day you're going to like, <laughs> send out the email of like money or what's, what's your plan? <laughs>
1: the one big email. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the courses thing does appeal to me. I also totally admire all the work that goes, goes into that for folks. Like there's some, it's a lot of work that goes into to that whole side of things. What's been really interesting to me is this like paid newsletter trend. And so I'm looking at Substack is a really cool new tool out there and kind of seeing what the possibilities are there. It's a mix of you know, you build up a list, you send out a free email, maybe once a week, once a month, and then the rest of the time you're sending out paid newsletters to folks who want to you know subscribe to hear more from you. And so I'm going to explore that model a little bit. And what I really like is the intersection of journalism with that trend. I feel like that's something that I might have a couple of different skill sets in and maybe can tie my expertises together. So taking a journalistic lens to tech and marketing and these emerging technologies that are coming out maybe putting all that expertise and journalistic eye into an email newsletter and then hopefully getting some subscriptions from that
0: interesting so there's a so in theory the the model would be hey once a week you send out a regular email but if you want to be part of the vip list so what would be the difference between the email that you would send out for the general public and the private email is it like hey you get Like here goes, you know, Kevin's new blog post that he put out. And this one is like, here goes Kevin's VIP, like look on how he created this for certain keywords or like kind of give me like what we're thinking.
1: Yeah, totally. So it would be kind of more around thought leadership. So it looked like, you know, MailChimp had this big rebranding campaign. Here's what it means for you. TikTok is blowing up. What does it mean for marketers today? And you have to pay, you have to subscribe to get access to that kind of content it might be you know here are the latest jobs in tech subscribe to get these and then the free one would be here's a monthly roundup of cool links which is what I send now to my list so it would be kind of maintaining that then adding this paid component onto that like if you want to hear more opinions if you want to stay on top of these trends with the target audience being you know anyone from founders and CEOs of tech companies VPs marketers kind of executives to VCS perhaps people with an eye toward what's the next hot trend next investment opportunity.
0: Interesting. And then how big can you can you tell us how big your email list is right now?
1: It's in the thousands, and I think right. I think the tens of thousands is where I'll need to be to really monetize in a good way.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And then I'll have to look into that because as we, we send out a newsletter quite often, probably two or three times a week, but just to kind of show people some content and kind of, you know, share some of the things we've got going on. I've never thought about monetizing it though. I mean, monetize it as in, you know, hey, you want to see the VIP content. And we are working on a course, how to be an influencer, like a course on to train influencers. I Teach a class at UCLA. It's a personal branding and how to be an influencer. But really, what it is is how to like build a brand. Like you know, it's like you're an influencer. You're doing this stuff, and you want to do this, 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 and this. Like, how do you get an email address? How do you get a domain name? How do you get like this foundational stuff before you're going to go out there and you're going to start pitching Nike from a Gmail account, right? Where they're going to be like, mm-hmm. ah, you don't even, you know. It's like how do you, you got to make put your best foot forward. So we're working on that right now. And the course is, I mean, it's it does take a lot of time. You don't realize how much time it takes until you jump in the middle of it. You're like, man, yeah, this is time consuming. But <laughs> but it's cool once it once it goes live, and hopefully there'll be some money making hopefully you can educate the masses so
1: yeah it's true i found that i'm more of a starter than a finisher and so at the start of projects i'm really excited i'm like oh look at this amazing thing we're going to do and as the project goes on i'm like oh wow this is a lot of work that i set myself up for so
0: you are preaching the church right now (laughs) i know if they're listening to this they're like man those guys are the same because i'm like (laughs) hey, this is what we're doing. This is exciting. Look at this stuff. I'm super pumped. And then like two weeks later, they're like, so what happened to that? I'm like, well, here's the deal. I didn't know I was going to have to do 800 videos. And
1: so it's, totally we're yeah. pushed
0: it out a little bit. But yeah, yeah. I'm a big like, I try not to, the hard part is you try not to like just go after all the shiny things, right? So you listen to podcasts, you hear stuff like, you know, now in my mind, I'm thinking I can monetize my email list for me. You know, my team's probably going to go, no, we're not going to try to monetize your email <laughs> list this week when who knows, I might try to do it. But the idea of it is, it's just kind of interesting when you see that kind of stuff, you know, it's like you always want to try to do some cool stuff. And, you know, for marketers, it's always A-B testing and let's see what works and for me, it would be less about like trying to make that money and more about like, oh, what was I able to do there? Hey, I was able to make a thousand bucks. Let me show you how I did that. So it'd be more of like testing for me and having fun. And so if you're listening to this and you get a paid email from me, please click on the link and, and pay for money <laughs> so I can tell everybody that I was successful through paid, through paid emails. Yes. <laughs> cool. So are you starting? So rumor has it you're starting a podcast. Is that also I heard? And once again, I can't tell you where I got my sources from. Are you oh. doing a podcast?
1: That would be fun. Yeah. That was one of my things I wanted to start. And then I got into it and realized podcasts are a lot of work. (laughs) So I have three, I have four interviews in the can. And now I'm at the point where I need to figure out what to do with them. So yes, I might start a podcast this year too. Okay.
0: Podcasts, I'm telling you, man, it's so funny. So the premise of it seemed very simple, right? You're like, oh, you just interview somebody and then you put it up on a blog and you you have one of your people put it up on whatever it is on Amazon or not Amazon, on Apple iTunes and then life's good. Mine has taken, I won't even tell you how long it's taking because so it's like, it's, if, let's put it this way. We're going to go live July 15th. And yeah. my first interview is in October. Now you do the math on that one, my friend, right? And we've been working on it really because, you know, we want to make sure this is right. Everything's good. We got to produce, you know, and I probably have 15 under my belt at this point and shout out to my team. They've done just a phenomenal job. And, uh, but it, it is, I man, you don't realize how much work it is until you, you know, because you want to do it the right way. And it's just, it's a lot of moving pieces in it to like get, you know, a lot of people moving in the same direction and doing this and producing the content and the interviews and, you know, the cadence of that. And, you know, it just, it is, it's an ongoing process, but we've got it down to a point. the cool part about is we're down to we got systems in place now so now processes so now we're going to i have other companies that i have like i have a real estate investment company and i have some other companies that you wouldn't even know that i had but we're going to start doing a lot of podcast stuff with them and so it's going to be nice because now we've got that process in place it's not going to take seven months to to get it going so yeah i'm excited yeah it'll be cool yeah well good luck with that podcast if you need a fourth guest but i'm i'm a, I'm a...
1: <laughs> i appreciate it Do you have any? Do you have any advice for someone who's thinking about a podcast like me? Anything you've learned that I need to know at this stage?
0: Um, Yeah, don't do it. Like, get out of it as (laughs) much as you can. No, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, that's the easy way out. No, I mean, I think it comes down to processes and like really what your goal is with the podcast. For me, my goal is really to just talk with cool people, right? So I enjoy that side of it. If it, if it generates business, I mean, Shane Barker's Marketing Madness podcast, I mean, that doesn't really scream lead generation, right? <laughs> you know, I want people to to watch it and enjoy it and have a good time and get some interesting facts, right? About Buffer, whoever the, the guest is. Yeah. That's kind of the goal. And I want it to be entertaining. Like I want people to, like I said, I mean, one lady, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say her name, but she'll, you'll know once it goes live, but. Like she was in a cult for 21 years. Like who knew that would have happened or just random conversations where I'm like, that just doesn't seem like, like you, with you brand new, you're with the company you're with, like that's what they want. Oh, this is, yeah, this is what we're going at. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Like, why is that? Like, just kind of finding intel and, you know, you can learn so much from other people that are doing things right. And so I think for me, that's important, like to give some good information, but also for it to be fun. Like I want people to listen to podcasts and go, wow, that was kind of cool. Like Shane's kind of crazy. I think he he might be on something because he's seen coyotes run in the middle of the street, right? Which is not too common here in Sacramento. So anyways, I just, I enjoy that. I enjoy the interactions and also it's the networking as well has been interesting as well. So, but I would say if you're going to do a podcast, Just understand what it's going to take, right? Because you have the people that you're going to interview. So you got to go find those people. And then you got to get to the questions together, assuming you're going to have some kind of a question and answer thing. Then you actually, you know, you can do it on Zoom or there's a lot of software. So that's awesome. You got to record it. Then you got to send it over to somebody else. And you got to splice it up in case you, you know, sneezed or did whatever on the (laughs) podcast, right? So then you got to get that up. And then you got to go put that file up some places. And you can't just put it up in here. You got to put it in 10 different places. So you get, you know, building audiences, all of them. Then you got to be able to go live on the site. Then you got to send the guest all the content, the pictures and so hey we're going live in three days and please share and promote and you know we put it up there now we've got to distribute all of that so I mean it's it's just a lot of moving pieces to it you don't realize how much work goes into it because you think I'm just going to reach out to you you're like hey man let's do this on Tuesday sounds good you put on your microphone I put on mine and then we do a little interview and then all of a sudden post it goes live there's just a lot of moving pieces (laughs) I think it's gonna be worth it. I mean, I you know, with a time investment that goes into it because once again it's also cool meeting cool people, right? That I would maybe not meet unless I was at an event or speaking or something like that. So anyways, it's been fun. I think we'll know the for me, I don't have any for me it's just meeting cool people in the networking. If I generate business from it, that would be awesome, but it's not my number one driver. For me, it's just having a good conversation
1: with good people. So makes sense. Maybe your next course can be podcast process and Damn, people can pay
0: man, for it. Maybe. We will be like, How you can do this quicker than one year, right? Yes. I'll give give you guys I feel like everything can be a course. I feel like there's all kinds of stuff that, you know, like even the remote working thing. Totally. Like people, like, how do you do that? Be successful at it. And it's taken, you know, we've hired hundreds of people over the last, whatever, 15, 20 years, but yeah. it's like in that whole process. That's why I was interesting about Buffer because, you know, like the tools that you use and how that interaction and stuff and keeping my team is, I have an awesome team because we've, you know, we've obviously, you know, our processes to hire people is a lot different than it was originally. Originally it was like, Oh, you're a writer. Great. Let's just bring you on. Now you go through a process and make sure that you're, you know, there's certain things that you do and you know, understand our culture and how we do things. And so the process is fine tuned. It took a while to get there, but it's nice. So it's kind of fun with the remote culture, and how to get things done and get things going. It's kind of fun.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We've done skill shares on social media and we've done skill shares on how to build a company with values. so I feel like anything is open for courses these days.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. It's all valuable knowledge, right? It's all stuff that you've gained. In fact, I was just telling my son this. I'm like, it's a different game these days because anything you want to go learn, like you guys could have spent $100,000 on how you guys have tightened up your culture or what you guys did to be able to get that certain culture. And now I can go tap into that for $49 or $97 or whatever the number is. And that's interesting to me because it's like, I mean, it's like a mentor. I mean, you can just go in there and learn how people did things i mean i do like i said i listen to now i'm listening to more podcasts before i didn't really listen to that many even when i started my podcast i really listened to no <laughs> podcasts. i just wanted to do a podcast yeah it's just interesting the more that kind of hear how th- things are put together that whole process and the opportunity once again i try not to go after the shiny stuff but like just today i'm listening to this amazon this white labeling stuff i was like God, my team could totally do that but they would be like no we're not
1: gonna do that today
0: <laughs> you're crazy we're gonna they're gonna you need to be medicated they'll be like okay probably yeah. have
1: That's the problem for us starters. It's too easy to learn stuff, I think.
0: (laughs) That's it, man. And it's like, and you want to try some cool stuff. Like that's what I enjoy. I enjoy, you know, we have our clients, our consulting business and, you know, I have my real estate stuff and all those other things, but I'm always looking for something. It's not always money to me. It's like, I want to have some fun. Like what, let's kind of learn something new. And so I enjoy that, but I am not a good finisher for the most (laughs) part. I mean, I'm, you know, we've done like big workshops with brands and all that stuff on the influencer side, but it's still, it's, I am definitely, I need my partner is like, He's the guy that makes my dreams come alive, right? Like yeah. without him, hey this is what we're gonna do, and I'm like, this is how we need to do it. And I'll be able to put the whole strategy together, and if I don't have somebody to implement it for me, man, it's gonna be a lonely day. Because I'm like nobody else, you know. I'm just like, oh, this is a great look at this. I got it all together, and it looks so pretty, and I have arrows and check marks and all kinds of fun yeah. stuff looks really great. And but no,
1: you no, surround it. yourself with the right people. That's the, that's it. That's it. Right. It's taking yeah. a
0: while to realize that. It's like, listen, I'm not a, I'm a doer, but I'm a doer up to a certain extent where I need to have somebody else take that baton. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, I'm good for one lap, you know, but I'm better where it's like we have the three other people that'll do in the lap and then that'll be one mile. Me going, the <laughs> mile, ah, you know, it's not
1: That makes cool. sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It took a while to figure that out. So tell us, okay. So other than, you know, you got the family, obviously, that's that's awesome. You got Buffer. Like, what do you do like to unwind? Like, what is your, is it like, are, do you really enjoy writing? Is it reading a book? Is it, you're like, I don't know, like,
1: what do, what do you enjoy? Like, yeah. Thanks for asking. So I do like reading. I read over 100 books last year and, well, probably not read that many this year. I might pace myself a bit more, but uh, that is a fun way to unwind. I read a wide variety of things. So a good mix of stuff. And I do like writing. So that's another key thing. I'll often write more creatively when I'm unwinding. It's a nice creative outlet for me. And yeah, then playing games, playing outside. I like skiing in the winter. So lots of good family outdoor activities.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And what is probably one of your, I hate to say, what is your favorite books? I mean, I have a hundred of them, you probably have a few but like, what are the different genres like that, that you like? What is it like? Is it all business? Is it like personal development? Is it?
1: Yeah, it used to be a lot of business and personal development. So I think my taste kind of ebb and flow. So it used to be a lot of that. I've taken a break from that more recently. Now it's a lot of, memoirs it's a lot of historical narrative nonfiction, so stories from the past i uh, love reading writing books writing books are probably some of my favorite just hearing how all these different tips on how to write better mm-hmm. so it's yeah kind of a strange mix i'd say i skew a bit more toward the nonfiction side of things at the moment
0: it's funny so i you know like some personal development i like some business books but I just in the last year, it was motorcycle gangs. That's a random oh. fact for you. Like, I saw like all <laughs> like the specific. Hells Angels and, and the Mongols and like, I don't know what it was, but I'm getting tied into this thing. I guess maybe I, maybe I was a Hells Angel and I got killed in my past or something. <laughs> Here I am now. I, I don't know what happened, but like I was like really into like the gangs and how they, I don't know why that is. It's so weird to say out oh. loud. Cause it went from like personal help, like, Oh, like, how do you make yourself a better person to like, how do I kill the gang members leader? And I'm like, yeah, get him. (laughs) But I'm like right now, like, I don't even understand where this, once again, Shane Barker's Marketing Madness podcast. So madness. Madness. And, uh, yeah. I don't know if it has to do with motorcycle gangs, but there was yeah. there's a connection there for me. I don't know what it is, but I've just been listening to, or, you know, listening to those types of books.
1: Yeah. Do you ride a motorcycle?
0: No. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> there's like no connection. Like I've, I, mean, oh, wow. I can ride a scooter and I'll probably crash. Like I was raised by hippies. They're like, you are not getting on a bike at all. <laughs> at all. You know, I mean, any kind of motorcycle. No, there's. Yeah. So I don't, my uncle, when I was really young. Rode a motorcycle, and I, I think I went on it once or twice. So there might be a picture of me with a helmet, but it's not like I'm like riding my Harley and you know fighting local bandits or something on the weekends. I mean, I'm <laughs> pretty low key like that. But I don't know.
1: Who knows? Go That's- figure. I read a book recently about cod fishing, which I have no connection to whatsoever, especially here in Idaho, like very landlocked. So yeah, it's weird the things that catch our attention. I guess. Yeah,
0: it is. I don't. I don't even know how I jumped onto a motorcycle gang thing. I don't know. There was must obviously must have been a great little. little intro I was like oh this is something I want to check out how funny um and you touched on skiing so are you a big travel fan you like to travel a lot
1: I don't no (laughs) I feel bad for saying that because I should like to travel but no I'm quite a homebody so I'm lucky that in Idaho we have some good skiing nearby
0: yeah well no that no, to me i look at that like you don't you know you don't have to be like the cool traveler like to me it's like hey you like to be home and i mean it's perfect for buffer right i mean you're in a remote is, position right you're like yeah. i can just stay at my house and that's what you that's how you want to be to me there's nothing wrong with that i think that's kind of cool so if you were to you know if there was going to be a trip that we would want to go on then you'd be like you'd say pretty much local and we'd go skiing <laughs> local yeah. in the
1: area i'm trying to have a growth mindset with it and understand the value of travel so i'm trying to set a, a limit of or I guess a minimum of traveling once a year somewhere ideally outside of the U S. So I think I can commit to once a year and the rest kind of be around the house. So Switzerland would be lovely. They'd have some wonderful skiing Hello. there yeah. heard about some good skiing in Japan and Always wanted to visit over there, so I have some some options on the table, for sure.
0: All right, cool. You got the list, got a little international list. It's funny. So my speaking stuff that I do, like my mm-hmm. keynote speaking. I think I've said this in a podcast in the past, but I literally, if somebody reaches out to me and it's a country I haven't been to, they, I shouldn't even say this out loud, but my speaking fees go down tremendously. I, <laughs> I should never say this, but because now anybody from the international is gonna be like, ah, we can get him. Where's at- he
1: been? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for me, it's more of like, I enjoy. So this is a funny part. I enjoy traveling a lot. But then, when I'm in the middle of it, I've been gone for like 12 days. I miss my family. I miss this, and it's like God. I don't want to travel as much. And then I'll be home for 10, 20 days, or whatever it is, and I start to get cabin fever a little bit. I'm like, Oh man, I need to get to. I need to get somewhere. And then so then I'll do that. And I mean, I've been threatening about. I mean, threatened to buy a van, like a big old minivan. In fact, I am going to do this and travel all over the U.S. like 50, all 50 states Yeah. with marketing, like the marketing podcast on the road and go meet different entrepreneurs or marketers and stuff. I am going to do that. it will probably be in the next few months. And my wife, she's like, You're crazy go ahead and go do your thing I'll just fly out every week or whatever and come say hi she's a nurse so yeah like she's seven days seven days off or seven on seven off but anyways I'm kind of excited about that like I do like the journey I feel like for me I want to like I feel like I'm not missing out but I like I want to go it's fun going to meeting people and chatting with people and having a good conversation like I really enjoy that That's, for me I think I need that which is interesting yeah. So it'll be, I'll let you know when the RV comes by we'll come to Idaho and come say hi
1: that's great. Is there anywhere I should put on my bucket list to visit that you've loved? Oh, so this is, then this is
0: not controversial by any means, but I was a huge fan of Sri Lanka. Mm. Um, now, which is really crazy is, is one of the hotels that were bombed was a hotel I spoke at. I was wow. a keynote speaker there. Yeah. So uh, Cinnamon Hotel, and it was phenomenal hotel. Great people. I mean, the people of Sri Lanka are just, I mean, I judge a culture. I judge people, not judge, that sounds terrible, but I do in my head. Like if I smile at you and if you smile back, I judge how happy people are because I'm, you know, I'm like a, I'm like 6'2", big old red beard and like, and I'm really white. I'm kind of scary, not scary, scary, but scary enough. Right. And so I always, I smile at everybody and that's here in California as well. Like I'll be walking, I'll say, Hey, good morning. And people kind of look at me like, I don't even know that guy. Why do you say good morning? Like <laughs> I judge people kind of on that. Like I make people uncomfortable because I say hi to them. Right. And I say good morning. Cause I, not to make them feel uncomfortable, but I want them to feel like I want to spread a little joy. You got me having a terrible day and somebody says, Hey, you know, have a good day or whatever. You know, so I'll be on a call with my team and I'm like, hey, have a good day. Hey, have a good day. My team's like, what are you doing? Like, leave people alone, you know? <laughs> but I enjoy that. I you know, want people to, I don't know, for me, it's a... I don't know. So anyway, Sri Lanka, what I the reason I was telling you that is because just smiling. The whole everybody was always smiling. Oh, everybody was always smiling. So I had a really great experience in Sri Lanka. India I've had some great times in India as well. My trips are a little different because I was kind of VIP and that's because I when I was a keynote speaker there, they took me on a seven day this is in Sri Lanka, a seven day trip. Mm. So everything was paid for. So I mean it's a little so when I say that I love the country, well obviously I was being Makes moved around in private not private jets, but jets. Yeah, so it's a different like I was just they were like, Hey, come show up and then here goes a drink and here goes this and it's all freedom like God, that's the best price. It's $3.99. <laughs> so anyways, I've good experiences there. But I've been to Thailand. Thailand was fun. I've been to Australia. I mean, I've been to a lot of countries um, and each one you have a different experience and different things you do and you know each of when it comes to the food and the people I just I haven't really had any bad experiences traveling you know little things here and there but nothing too crazy nothing that I go oh my god it's a country that I would never say don't go to any country because I that's just my own experience right like I didn't have a great time when I was in England because it was very expensive and you know we was beginning of a trip that I was going on for about six weeks but I, I wouldn't say don't go to England because you could go there and absolutely love it but for me it just it wasn't number one. And we ended up going to Amsterdam for another week. So anyways, it's that kind of stuff where I'm like, you know, like Spain was awesome. Like just the museums and the culture and the food, my God, the food, like Sandra, all the fun stuff. So it was fun. I'm a awesome. kind of, like I said, I, I want to call myself a major traveler. And then, you know, after two weeks, I'm like, God, oh, I want to be home. And then I'm home. I'm like, oh, I want to go on a trip again. So, you know.
1: That's great. We went to Singapore for a buffer retreat last year and loved it. So that part of the world is great.
0: So I actually have a client in Singapore. My first time in Singapore was probably three months ago.
1: Hmm. Blew me
0: away. Absolutely. Yeah. It blew me away. The, the culture, how strong of an economy it is and just how beautiful it was. Did you go to a marina by the sky, by the sea? Marina Brothers, the big old, yes. it looked like a boat that was yes. like in the, like <laughs> yeah. the, the pool, beautiful. the grand pool. Yeah. It was just, I was thoroughly impressed on how clean the city was. Yeah. Thoroughly, I mean, there was nothing on the ground, not gums like. I went and asked the guy when I was leaving, I didn't know this. I went up to a little chocolate place and I was like, hey, do you guys, you know, do you guys sell gum? And he looked at me like I asked him like, do you have any heroin on here or anything like that? Because he was yeah. like, gum? We don't have gum here. And I'm like, oh, and then I found out later they don't like, but the streets are like, I, you could eat up the street. Like I, that's the yeah. only, it's just, yeah, I was thoroughly impressed with Singapore.
1: Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was like being at Disneyland for us. Like it yeah. was <laughs> such a great experience. Light
0: shows and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And the food is phenomenal. I mean, it's not cheap. But it was no. mid, just nothing but a good experience. Yeah, we had a great. I had a great time in Singapore. That's, I would definitely go back to Singapore. Malaysia, I've awesome. been to, but I'd like to go there. That's, that's some other place. So, anyways, I, we could we could talk about another hour on all the different places. <laughs> but. Hopefully you get some chance to to travel to some ski places maybe in Japan or something like that or, or obviously Switzerland's a, a, a no-brainer. Yeah, for um, sure. Well, cool so if anybody needed to get in contact with you, I mean just randomly or maybe a buffer or if you know, hey, you want somebody to join your newsletter, like where can they get a hold of you at?
1: Yeah, so I'm at Kevin Lee on all the social channels, so K E V A N L E E and my website is kevinlee.com and if you want to check out what buffer does and see what we're about. We're at buffer.com.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Kevin, this was an awesome little interview, but I appreciate you taking the time today. And I'm sure we're going to be keeping in touch and I'll let you know when we send over all this fun collateral when the interview goes live.
1: Definitely. This is great. Thanks so much, Shane.
0: Thank you. We'll talk
1: soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.